Good evening. It's good to see everybody here tonight. Tonight we're going to be in Acts chapter 26. We're going to talk about lessons from King Agrippa. We're going to look a little bit about the situation that was happening, what was going on, and the things that were discussed in those situations, in in this event. Now we know that Paul was imprisoned. And Paul being in prison, he had a chance to go before King Agrippa. And when he was allowed to speak to speak freely, um, it was very interesting. He he was asked to defend himself. Uh, the charges on him were a lot. Uh, he was going against the the Jewish people. He was um, preaching Christ and so forth. And so people are asking, and King Agrippa is giving him the opportunity to bring his own defense before the king. And in that defense, he doesn't even give a defense of himself. He doesn't say, hey, listen, um, I know what you're thinking, but I'm actually a good guy. I haven't caused anybody any harm while preaching Christ. No, his defense was to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, let's get into this. Look at what it says. Acts chapter 26, 19 through 23. Paul preaches the resurrection to Agrippa. So when he's allowed to uh, speak freely... He says, therefore, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision where God had saw uh, came down in the form of Jesus to Saul on the road to Damascus. He says, I wasn't disobedient to this vision, but declared first to those in Damascus and in Jerusalem and throughout all the region of Judea and then to the Gentiles that they should repent and turn to God. What a defense. There's his defense. His defense is not, you know, I'm sorry for what I did or this is the reason I did what I did. No, his defense is Jesus came to me on the road to Damascus. This is how I was converted. And this is actually what I'm doing now. I'm here to teach people about repentance. For these reasons, the Jews seized me in the temple and tried to kill me. So not only is he given a defense that he's just following the will of God, and that he's going to let God's truth defend him. He's also saying, these people are crazy. I went into the temple where we talk about religious things. I'm speaking about the Christ who is religiously spoken about in the Old Testament, about the coming of the Messiah, and these people are trying to kill me. He says, therefore, having obtained help from God to this day, I stand witness both to small and great. I'm going to testify about Jesus Christ, the death, burial, and resurrection to both those people who are lowly and poor, both Gentiles and Jews, and also to the highest of the high. Talking about Caesar. Talking about King Agrippa himself. So from small to great, saying no other things than those which the prophets and Moses said would come. So Paul is saying... These Jewish people are mad at me because I'm verifying what Moses said, what the prophets said, and I'm telling that truth to both great and small. And now they're mad at me and want to kill me. And so he says that the Christ would suffer. This is what Moses and the prophets said, that the Christ would suffer, that he would be the first to rise from the dead. So there's the proclamation. Jesus Christ was talked about. 
He was supposed to come and suffer, which He did. And He was supposed to be a man that would rise up or be raised from the dead. And would proclaim light, that is, Jesus would rise from the dead and proclaim the truth in light to the Jewish people and to the Gentiles. So there's the proclamation. Defend yourself. I was visited on the road to Damascus. He's not really defending himself. He's just saying the truth. This is what happened to me. You can take it or not. And then he says, I'm also going to tell that truth to the Jews, which they thought I was crazy. I'm going to tell that truth to the small, to the poor, and to the great, which is Agrippa himself. And I'm going to verify that this Jesus rose from the dead. And he's proclaiming truth. And that's why Paul is in chains. So he's given that discourse. And here's the reaction to that, to that preaching. Now as he thus made his defense, now that was his defense, Festus said with a loud voice, Paul, you are beside yourself. Paul, you're crazy. Why are you crazy? This is why. Because you're saying a man rose from the dead. You're saying this man rose from the dead, defied logic, and now you're preaching that to the Jews? And that's why you're, you're in, in chains, because you're crazy. Look what he says. Festus says about Paul, Much learning is driving you mad. And it can. You can study yourself crazy with everything, trying to get everything in. So he says this has to be what's happening to Paul. Paul, you've studied yourself crazy, but he said this, I am not mad. I'm not crazy, most noble Festus. So he's giving him some accolades, saying, hey, listen, I know you just called me crazy, but hey, I'm going to respect you anyway, but I'm telling you, I'm not crazy, most noble Festus. But speak the words of truth. Look at that next word. And reason. That's what he's saying. You, you just haven't been able to reason the truth that I'm telling you now. Jesus did rise from the dead. He is the Christ that Moses and the prophets talked about. He is who he says he is. He did see me on the road to Damascus. I did have this life-changing event. Not to mention he's filled with the Holy Spirit. He's done all kinds of things for the church already. And so he's saying, this is truth and reason of which you don't have any. So Festus calls Paul crazy. And Paul says, I'm going to respect your nobility, but you lack reason. <laughs> so in a very smart and kind way, he says, you're just not smart. <laughs> you're not able to reason. And for the king before whom I also speak freely. Now, this is amazing because he goes straight from Festus. Let me figure out Festus. I'm crazy. You're not smart, but I respect your position. Now to the king who you told me I could speak freely. Now he says, for the king, before whom I also speak freely. Look what he says. Know these things. That means have knowledge of the truth and reason these things that we're talking about. He says, for I am convinced. So Paul's in prison for it. I would say he's convinced. He's willing to preach this until his death. He's willing to preach this and be put in prison. So he says, know this, that I am convinced that none of these things escapes his attention. 
So he says, Festus, you're not all that smart with your reasoning, but I know the king is smart. <laughs> you see how he does that? You see how smooth he is? Festus, you're not smart, and the king's right here listening, but I know the king's smart. And so what is he doing? He's playing to the king's, you know, bravado. He's playing to the king's uh, character and to his position. And he's saying, you're smart, king. I know nothing escapes his attention since this thing was not done in a corner. So what he's saying is, the resurrection of Jesus Christ was not done in secret. It wasn't done hidden. The, the king is aware of this truth. And he can reason better than you, Festus. And Festus is aware of this truth. And all the Jews are aware of this truth. And they're not willing to see the truth and reason with it. They see the truth and they don't want it. That's why Paul is in prison. And so he's in these chains. And so he says, For I'm convinced that none of this stuff escapes your attention, since this thing was not done in a corner, King Agrippa, you ne never waste an opportunity to evangelize. Here's what we're learning here. He goes through all that discourse and then he says, King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? Now, look at what he does. He answers for what he knows, but he's also suggesting to persuade the king by planting that seed that he understands. It's kind of like going to a car uh, a salesman. You go to the Toyota place and you walk up with just you and your girlfriend and he takes you to the Supras. This is the car you want. Even if you came for the Corolla, he's going to plant that seed. Now, I know you want the Supra. You walk up with your family, he's going straight to Siena's. Right? You came to see the Siena today, didn't you? I'm going to show you why it's a good van. And in your mind, you came for a Camry, but he told you. You came for Sienna. And while he's walking, he's telling your wife, what's your favorite color? Your favorite, your blue? Okay, let's go to the blue one. Your wife has chosen the blue one. You see how that works? And the next thing you know, you have a great deal. You leave in the Sienna and the sticker on the back says, I used to be cool. <laughs> That's how persuasive people can be. So Paul is using this art of persuasiveness. And he says, King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? Look what he says. I know that you do believe. So he's saying, King Agrippa, Festus is not smart over here. Let's not listen to him. But you, on the other hand, you have reason. Because this stuff wasn't done in private. You've heard about Jesus. You saw him and been around this. You saw him rise from the dead. Surely you heard about him rising up from the dead. I know you believe. I know you're not dumb. Now watch this. Then King Agrippa said to Paul, you almost persuade me to become a Christian. There's a lot in that statement. There's a whole lot in that statement that we can't get to tonight with everything that's there. But I want you to think about that last statement. Then Agrippa said to Paul, you almost persuaded me to become a Christian. This is a, a failed evangelism attempt. Now, we can be pretty sure that Agrippa believed. This is why Agrippa came to the conclusion, if you continue to read the context, he came to the conclusion 
this man is not crazy. This man has no need to be put to death. He's not doing anything wrong, nor does he need to be in these chains. That was King Agrippa's conclusion. Now, if you come to that conclusion, the king is verifying this guy's for real. He's okay. And he's also verifying that he understands that what he's speaking is not off by a long shot. That's why he's letting Paul off with this crime that the Jews are saying is deserving of death. But he couldn't show the people that he would submit to Jesus. Because in showing that he would submit to Jesus, what does that say about his kingship? Because Christ is the king. What does that do with his place with the Jews? You see, the Jews were going to him now, saying, let's figure this out, let's put Paul to death and so forth. What does that do with his situation with, with that whole group of people? Where does that put him? Not in good standing. Where does that put him? Where does it put him with the people uh, of um, the whole area? You know, the Gentiles, all those people. Well, it's just not in it for a king to say, I'm going to submit to Jesus, now I'm a Christian. It just doesn't seem like it was... Like he wasn't really worried about Christianity in that way. He was more worried about his respect and authority in the area. But he gave us a treasure, a huge treasure in that statement. You almost persuaded me to become a Christian. Let's take a look at it um, just slightly. Here's the statement. Then Agrippa said to Paul, you almost persuaded me to become a Christian. This means Romans chapter 10 and verse 14. And how shall they hear without a preacher? This defeats the direct operation of the Holy Spirit that people talk about today. You see, if Agrippa believed, a lot of people say today that you have a feeling, you have an emotion. Some say you feel your skin vibrate. You just know you've had this Holy Spirit experience and now you're a Christian. But in reality, if that were to happen, Agrippa would have been a Christian. But Paul was persuading Agrippa. And Paul had the power of the Holy Spirit. Why couldn't he just bring him down? No, because man needs to be persuaded to believe. Look at Acts chapter 22 and verse 16. And now why are you waiting? He's talking about his own. This is Paul's own conversion account. Why are you waiting? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. You see, Paul had to be persuaded by Jesus on the road. I need you. I've chosen you to go do this. Now you need to go to a street called Straight and talk to Ananias. And Ananias is going to tell you what you need to do. What do you mean? Can't you just give me an emotion? Can't you just give me the direct operation of the Holy Spirit where all of a sudden I know what to do and I'm good to go? No! I need you to go because I still need you to be persuaded. So Paul had to go and be persuaded. And even in his own account... It wasn't enough to say, yeah, I believe in Jesus. I know this wasn't done in a corner. I saw the, resur the resurrected Jesus. That wasn't enough. Look what Ananias is doing. Ananias is persuading him, is preaching to Paul, is saying, why are you waiting? Arise and be baptized. Submit to Jesus. So you see, Paul being a preacher was persuading 
King Agrippa. You see, Agrippa had to do it on his own will, on his own accord. Look at Acts chapter 2 and verse 40. And what Peter's preaching. And with many other words, Peter testified and exhorted them saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. You know, the King James Version says, And with many other words, he persuaded and exhorted them. You see, how come they didn't have a direct operation? You see, King Agrippa has taught us an amazing thing by saying, you almost persuaded me. He's showing us lessons in humanity in obeying the gospel of Jesus Christ. That even with the preacher in front of you, you still have to be persuaded to believe, to be able to be converted. Now watch. Almost is the word. Then King, King Agrippa, he said to King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? And look what Paul says. I know that you do believe. Did you notice that King Agrippa says, don't be silly, Paul. Don't be silly. I don't believe. You know I don't believe. Believe any of this stuff. I'm just here to help them kill you. He didn't say that, did he? No, he was speaking sense to King Agrippa because King Agrippa knew that Jesus rose from the dead. It was common knowledge. Wasn't done in a corner. And so he says, I know you believe. And then King Agrippa said to Paul, you almost. So the preacher, how beautiful are the feet of the preacher, right? Romans chapter 10. And how shall they hear if they don't hear from a preacher? How will they understand? The preacher, you, the preacher, is going to persuade. So it takes the vessel of God to persuade. Now look at almost. You almost. Almost what? You were almost there. James chapter 2 and verse 24. You see then that a man is justified by works and not by faith alone. It is pretty common knowledge that King Agrippa believed that Jesus rose from the dead because he let Paul go. He didn't bound him to death. He said, this man is innocent. There's nothing wrong with him. What is he saying? This guy's speaking the truth. Whether you want to believe it, fine. You don't want to believe it, fine. So we know he believes, but it's not enough. That's that word almost. Look at John 12, verse 42 through 43. Nevertheless, even among the rulers, many believed in him. So you can put Agrippa up there as one like a ruler. But because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue. For they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. Maybe that was King Agrippa. He wanted the praise of men more than he felt he needed the praise of God. He wanted that respect. And you think about James 2 and verse 19. You believe that there is one God. King Agrippa had to believe. He was living through it. He let him go. You do well. And even the demons believe and tremble. The, the, the demons aren't going to heaven. You see, that's almost. There's a lot of people in this world that say, I'm waiting for a direct operation. I'm waiting for this great event that's going to convince me to know that the Spirit is working in me and that's how I know I'm saved. I'm going to feel it one day. And one day during worship, I'm just going to drop to my knees or stand up and feel it, you know? I'm just... The Bible gives us words. A couple times in the book of Acts, it says, hey, 
You were sent by God to tell us words by which we can be saved. Right? So it's not a direct operation. It's a preacher or a teacher telling you what you need to do, persuading. And this guy's faith got him to where he says, I believe, you know, that's what's going on. He believes, but he's not willing to take that step. There's a lot of people today who believe in Jesus and they'll say, you can give me Jesus, but you can keep the church. No, no, no. Jesus is the head of the church. His blood bought the church. You cannot separate. You can, you can give me Jesus and, and you can keep the church. And my Jesus is out here in the fields, by the streams, where I hunt. I get this connection with Him. No, you don't. What you get is what Paul talked about in the book of Romans. That the creation speaks out to the Creator, saying this is God who created this. Sure, you can see God there. But that's almost, that's not all the way. And so that's what's happening there. Now look at this, persuaded. Then King Agrippa said to Paul, you almost persuaded me to be a Christian. Almost. Now look at this, Acts chapter 2 and verse 37. Now when they heard this, King Agrippa just heard this, they were cut to the heart and they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? I'm convinced that Agrippa knew what to do because Paul was in prison for teaching people about the death, burial, resurrection and then baptizing them into the church. So Agrippa knew exactly what he was in prison for and exactly what he was on trial for. And so instead of like these men who heard the truth of the death, burial, and resurrection and said, what do we do? Agrippa says, ha ha ha. You almost had me. You almost persuaded me. You see, he was persuaded. But one must be more than persuaded. When the persuasion happened, one must be convinced and convicted to obey. Look at Second Corinthians 5 and verse 11. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord. Look what Paul says. We persuade men because of the terror of the Lord. He was trying to persuade Agrippa. In the process, he was flicking Festus. Get out of here. <laughs> You're not that smart. But you are noble. I'll give you respect. He's trying to persuade him. He, we persuade men. But we are well known to God. And I also trust are well known in your consciences. He's trying to get here. He's trying to convict you. He's trying to get you pricked in the heart. He's persuading men to get their conscience to be pricked so they can be changed. And that's what's happening to, to uh, Agrippa. Agrippa's saying, almost, you pricked my heart. Close. Real close. Look at 2 Corinthians 5 and 20. Now then, we are ambassadors of Christ as though God were pleading through us. Let's go back. You. You almost persuaded me. You see, Paul saying, we are ambassadors as though God were pleading through us. That's the you factor. You're persuading. We implore you. You see, we are there to convince you on Christ's behalf to be reconciled to God. That's what he's trying to do to Agrippa. And Agrippa's saying, 
Oh man, it sounds good. You almost persuaded me. I'm persuaded, but I'm not convinced. That's why he couldn't take that next step. And what did Paul say about it? Oh, that I would, that you would believe, that all would believe and all would be like me, yet not in these chains, but that all would be free in Christ. You see, Paul worked a little harder to try to persuade him. Now look at this, to become. Then King Agrippa said to Paul, you almost persuaded me to become. Now let's look at this. You, that's Paul, you the preacher, were telling me the death, burial, and resurrection. This is how men, men are converted. It's not like people say today, you have a feeling, you can pray, you can do this and that. No, this is a, a real life failure of an evangelistic effort. You, Paul, the preacher, almost, you were close because I believe in Jesus, but faith isn't enough. You see, it's not faith alone. The demons believe all that. So you, the preacher, almost got me. Now, I know that almost uh, signifies that he believes I'm almost there. I know it's the truth. You almost convinced me, convicted me. You pricked my heart. You, the preacher, almost made me rationalize in my mind and be persuaded and be convinced to be pricked, to ask the question, what do I do? What shall I do to be what? To become. You mean King Agrippa has knowledge that if he becomes a Christian, that word become means he has to change? That he knows that he would go from just King Agrippa to a different thing that is a Christian? So he knows that this preaching brings about the faith and obedience that changes a life that you can't turn back. So what does he mean to become? You almost convinced me to be obedient to change. Now look at John uh, 3 and verse 3. What do you mean change? Jesus answered and said to him, that is to Nicodemus, he answered and said to him, most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So you see the born again part? That's what Agrippa's struggling with. To become, to change, to be born again. You see, he's struggling. I don't want to be born again. I don't want to change. I don't know if I'm ready yet. And why was this important? 2 Thessalonians 1.8 In flaming fire, taking vengeance on those who do not know God. That is having a, a good knowledge, being able to reason and be persuaded to be convinced. Now, why are they convinced? And on those who do not obey the gospel. That's the part right there. To become. To obey the gospel. If he obeys the gospel, he becomes a new creature in Christ. He says, you almost persuaded me to change. To obey the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And if he obeyed the gospel, what then? Romans 12 and verse 2. And do not be conformed to this world. Sadly, Agrippa stayed Conform to the world. But look what was the other option. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind to be convicted and convinced and to reason and to be persuaded to become. That is to be obedient to change. What is that good and acceptable perfect will of God? That's what Paul said. I will that all of y'all would be like me. I wish. And what is that? To be reconciled with God. That's what he's saying. 
And what would he be changed to? A Christian. Look how important this statement is from somebody who didn't obey the gospel. You almost persuaded me to become a Christian. I know that if I'm going to change, this is Agrippa, right? I know that if I'm going to change, I'm going to be something different. What am I going to be? A Christian. What does that tell everybody today? If you're studying the Bible and in your conversion account, you become a Mormon. Look, the Apostle Paul was preaching the gospel to change his life and Agrippa had it real clear. If I change, I know I'm going to be changed to a Christian. You almost got me to become a Christian. Paul wasn't saying become a Mormon, become a Jehovah's Witness, become a Catholic. Put your name on it. That name wasn't there. How important King Agrippa is to us today in his denial He's given an affirmative that Paul is preaching, you become a Christian. Nothing else, nothing more, nothing less. He knew what was being taught to him. That's a lesson for us today, right? When you become a Christian, you need to become a Christian. When you don't become a Christian, you need to understand that you're saying, I don't want to become a Christian and not something else. Why is it important? Look at Acts 4 and verse 12. Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no name, no other name under heaven given among men by which you can be saved. So what can we put together here? That King Agrippa, he knew that Paul was preaching the Jews and to him the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ so he can be saved, so that he can become he can be changed and become a Christian whereto he would be saved. That's what Peter's saying in Acts chapter 4 and verse 12. There is no other name that you can bear by which you must be saved. You can't be saved in anything else. Here's the kicker. Paul did such a good job in preaching the gospel and the truth that King Agrippa is openly disavowing and saying, I'm not going to be a Christian. You know what that means? Paul did a good job. Paul did a good job. King Agrippa knew the death, burial, and resurrection. He knew it was real. It's not done in a corner. He knew that it was worthy to be in chains and even be put to death. That's what he was in trial for Paul. He knew all these things. He probably knew Festus was silly. And what does he say? You almost got me, but I'm going to choose not to. So he's affirming to us that when you become a Christian and you change, that's what you become, a Christian, nothing else. Somewhere along the line, people have gotten lost. Look at Acts eleven twenty six, And the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. Agrippa knew that. Paul was preaching that. The Christians knew that, were proclaiming that, were calling themselves Christians. The first century historians were calling them Christians. Acts chapter 2 and verse 47, and this is interesting, by the way. Praising God and having favor with all the people. These are the people who were obeying the gospel. The first people in the 3,000 that were obeying the gospel. And the Lord added to the church. Okay? The Lord Jesus added to the church daily those who were being saved. 
Now, you know where they were being added? Into the one body. That's Ephesians 4, verses 4 through 6. Into the one body. Into the one church. Into the one Lord. Into the one fellowship. Now, this is a far cry from what we see today. It should be the goal of every Christian to be denouncing all those things that would have you end up somewhere else than being a Christian. Because that's not what's being taught here. Paul was teaching the truth. And at least, this is the sad part, at least Agrippa had the opportunity to turn down the truth. Today, people are are out there in these situations never having an opportunity to turn down the unadulterated Word of God in its truth and power to be put in Christ in the church. They've never seen it. They've never heard it like this. But King Agrippa is a great lesson for us that when people deny, they need to have been able to deny the truth. If that's not the case, then we need to teach them the truth. All the way all the way to the top. So the formula is still the same. Here's the conclusion. You have all these places in the book of Acts. Now there's nine conversion accounts in the book of Acts. There's this one that we're seeing, Agrippa. Agrippa denied. The other ones confirmed and affirmed. And in those nine accounts, this is what's happening. The people are hearing the death, burial, and resurrection. They're believing, right? They're being persuaded. You almost persuaded me. So the you, they're hearing from someone the truth. Believe, that's the almost part. See, he believed in Christ, but it wasn't enough to to persuade him. You've got to be believing. Then you've got to be repenting. You know what that means? You persuaded me to change my life and confess Jesus Christ. Then what? Then I'm going to be baptized to become... What? A Christian. And live in Christ. What a great lesson that we can see in Acts chapter 26. I think that lesson should be told to everyone. That everyone needs the opportunity to either confirm or deny on the basis of the truth. That's the job of the church. That we are going to be out there to tell people this truth. Tonight... I hope you were taking notes that you could use that and teach people the truth so they can have that opportunity. If anybody has any need of anything, come forward as we stand and as we sing.